good, everyone? Welcome to the Flywheel Podcast. We have episode number two. And wow, what an episode that was. We had an up-and-coming threader, um, Ham Solomon, come on and just give his vision of Frax. And I think the, my favorite takeaway from it was how Frax can become the gold standard of DeFi. Um, Kit, what was your thoughts on the episode? Dude, man, this this chat is definitely a gigabrain. Like he, honestly, I, I feel like there were moments in the pod where you and I just kind of had like sat there with our yeah, jaws was, open and just, yeah, like, was, <laughs> just like sucking he's it just, in. Honestly, he's like the, I, I'd call him like the ultimate bridge fi character. Like he worked in like the trenches of not like TradFi and Wall Street, but like big, like, you know, Fortune 500 companies doing finances uh, in that arena. And like when he, he yeah. said, like when he like went to DeFi, I was like, oh my God, this world is so much better, so much more efficient, so much more transparent. And he's, he's able to bring his insight from his previous work and bring it, you know, how he on chain and how he like operates and goes about on chain and how he analyzes activities on chain. It's just a fascinating yeah, episode. And I could see him like in the future, like maybe like becoming like maybe running something in what I call like bridge fine between Frax and the real world. I feel like he's, he would be the perfect person to do it. Yeah. I agree. I, I really like the term that you use, bridge five too. When, when you dropped in the pot, I was like, oh, that's that's clean. Um, but I feel like he has a CS background, so he gets the technicals, but then he worked at one of the largest CPG companies and he ran the FP&A department. That means there's literally no bullshit because it's yeah. budgeting and operationalizing <laughs> that budget. And he, yeah. I think he's going to bring that rigor and, and that strictness into uh, DeFi and really Kind of and into balance. Frax, yeah. exactly, and, and into Frax. Hopefully, for him to channel that, and I think he'll be a really strong driving force for Frax or any DeFi protocol that you know would, would be so blessed to have him on the hit, um, their side. Yeah. I have but, a an old friend, a, a businessman, and he had a saying: uh, "People lie, numbers don't." Yep, and like, yep, people lie, numbers don't. That's what it all comes down to. And like, what Ham did so well is like he's able to like you know figure out like what are the right numbers and then like what is the proper story to tell and then combine the two together to create this narrative um about like or soon to create this narrative of, like why frax is the gold standard and why eventually the real world the jp morgans and everyone else of that caliber of the world is going to come knocking on frax's door to be like hey yep. can we have some capital can we come in that sweet sweet liquidity <laughs> and so and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and honestly like like what i really like about like his approach is he doesn't just silo off into frax only he actually looks at the DeFi ecosystem as a whole and he then he sees like you know all these missing links where frax can come in and, and kind of plug it all up and kind of connect everything and be that integral like you said the gold standard for everything to run yeah. on like yeah that's, that's what makes me really bullish yeah um you know you know what you know we've been simping for you know a few minutes here let's just, you know give it to the viewers let's you know have them listen to the whole episode so um really excited for this one uh it's flywheel podcast you know subscribe we're trying to get to 100 subscribers so you know we can be verified on youtube follow us on twitter at flywheel pod telegram where we have you know unique bits of alpha that we're gonna leak there uh at flywheel pod subscribe to that channel and uh, yeah let's go Hey everyone, welcome back to the Flywheel Podcast. This is episode number two. And wow, I'm really excited for this episode today because um, I caught this threader only a week ago and I just saw him going ham, no pun intended, on, a, <laughs> on some threads about fracks and DeFi in general. 
Um, and honestly, I just reached out to him and I got to know him a bit, you know, computer science grad turned, um, you know, managing the finances of like a top CPG company. Um, and then just like turned to DeFi, um, which is, has been a really interesting road and we're going to get into all that, but, uh, I'd like to introduce Ham Solomon to the podcast. Ham, how are you doing today? Man, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for reaching out and uh, very excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. Um, yeah, so uh, let's get into it. So um, can you give like a little bit of your background for yourself? I did like a short overview, but like, how did you end up in this uh, little part of the internet? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, I studied computer science, uh, graduated in 2013. So that makes me like the oldest guy in this industry. Um, but, Don't worry, we're uh, boomers too. Yeah, yeah boomers. <laughs> this is a stick together. Yeah. <laughs> it's a safe space. Like <laughs> um, but yeah, I graduated in 2013 and um, took a job at a, a CPG company. Um, I, my first job was in technology innovation, which, uh, like, spoiler alert, turns out is not a real thing. Turns out is just what uh, executives create. So that like when they screw up on their KPIs, they have something fancy to show their bosses. And uh, I made a lot of things light up and uh, things send messages to each other that uh, didn't really matter. So um, I gravitated my time and my energy towards kind of the, the finance work I was doing and eventually um, was uh, noticed and they uh, kind of snapped me up and, and put me in a cash flow manager job. So it uh, was the uh, manager for cash flow for North America was about $20 billion a year. And like, that's really kind of where I learned finance. Um, had another role there was the director of uh, FPNA or just like financial planning. And um, again, that's where I learned finance. And then uh, in 2018, um, I had to step away, took care of some uh, family stuff and uh, was just paying attention, looking for something cool to do. And then um, I write about this a lot. I heard one podcast uh, from Hayden Adams on Uniswap, and uh, I realized like the world is changing and I need to be there. So found crypto, found Ethereum, found DeFi, uh, lost a lot of money, started writing threads, and here we are. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, and, you know, you, you found Ethereum, you found DeFi, but how did you find Frax? Like Frax is a very particular corner of DeFi. Yeah, you must really dug deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like, look, like, I'll just give you, like, the the quick answer. Like, I found Frax because, like, Frax is, like, the the, the gravity center of um, DeFi right now, right? And, like, there's a lot of energy and a lot of talk about curve and convex. And, like, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from the, like, the incredible things that are happening there. But, like, you have to understand that Frax is just as important um, and and part of the curve war story. And so um, if, if you understand the curve wars and if you understand why that's critical to DeFi, like you, you just, you have to be here at with Frax. So what would you say your frame from like your experience um, where you were working previously managing finances and cash flows and this and that, what's your framework of viewing DeFi and specifically what, what is it viewing the curve wars and Frax's place within it? Within it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> As you uh, can tell from Twitter, like if you let me if you let me go on on my thoughts on TradFi, I'll go on. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of save thoughts unless for for specific things you want to talk about. But um, in regards to what's happening with the curve wars, like, first of all, we just need to drop the name, the curve wars. Like, please, like Sam, anyone with influence come up with a better name and I will like 
use it and, and force everyone else to use it. <laughs> um, because like really what, what's happening is um, like Curve, Curve was the first place that we were able to like pool like truly deep liquidity. Um, and like Uniswap is great and has more TVL, but it's fractured across like a billion different tokens. And Curve is the first place where like where value is like settling in a deep way. Um, and then like we can talk about the tokenomics and the history and the convex and blah, blah, blah. But like where we are today is um, there's there's this like kind of bribing thing. Frax sends a ton of money towards it. When Terra was around, it seemed like a super promising long-term APR thing. And now everyone's running around talking about how the world's changing and uh, like stop all that, right? The way we need to understand this is that like up until today, governance tokens just like had value. And like if you had greater than 51%, it had the entire value of the protocol. And if you had like some shrimp share, you had nothing, right? And it's, there's so much decentralization theater. There's so much voting. It's, it's all like, it doesn't mean anything. What bribing is, is like a mechanism for the free market to like credibly price the value of governance. So like it started with Curve, it started with VECRV and like that has the governance power that has like financial implications. And what bribing is, is the market on a, um, let's say for Vodium on a two week basis, like regularly addressing the value of that. And when there's like two massive players like Terra and um, Frax battling it out, the value of that is a lot higher. Like I'll just be real to you guys. When one of the like Goliaths falls and there's only like one man standing, that value goes down. But like we're in crypto, we need to like be okay with boom and bust cycles. Like that doesn't mean that like there's not something here. Um, like if you pay attention to the tech and you pay attention to like the theory, like this is the future. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah, what do you think? Okay. <laughs> <And> <clears throat> he's right. He, if you let him go, he just goes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was awesome. Uh, you, you pretty much, I've never heard someone so succinctly put uh, and describe the, the bribe market of like the marketing uh, pricing of governance. So, I mean, let's let's take a step back, right? Like Frax itself is, you know, the core product is a stable coin, but you know, Frax is also building a ton of um, other products on top of just a stable coin. Now, how do you see all of that product suite kind of fit into this core product of the stable coin? Yeah, I mean, like I think, I think the most valid criticism of crypto today is that like, no matter how like cool the tech we're creating and no matter how cool the story we're telling, like at the end of the day, it's like six of us guys who put in our money, trading it around each other and creating like these huge paper gains that don't actually mean anything. Right. And like, that is both true in the context of like crypto and the real world, but it's also true within the context of crypto itself. Right. And so like, you can just create a stable coin and like yeah, offer it out there and people can have it. And, and like, that doesn't really mean anything, you know, like what, what it means to be a stable coin is for like people to like 
regularly choose to hold it, not because like they want to stockpile it, like I, I don't really care about that, but because like they need to use it as a medium of exchange. And so like Frax at its core, like what it needs to be is like the best stablecoin that uses the best like combination of technology and theory to uh, stay stable and stay liquid and all that stuff. But like in order to, to like take a stable, or sorry, and let me say that again. In order to take a stable coin and turn it into like the uh, internet equivalent of a dollar, like we have to create use cases for it. And so like what, what, when I see the, the um, derivative products that Frax is putting out, whether that's Frax Lend, um, Frax Swap, you know, and, and like the 10,000 other things, like I'm here to kind of try to get alpha from you guys about what's coming out. Um, <laughs> like what I see is like Frax saying, like, these are real use cases in which you can use Frax. And like, not only are we like creating them and they work, like we're putting our money where our mouth is and putting our capital into them to show you that like they're trustworthy, they're robust. And like, we believe it's the best way to use it, use the best way to, to do it. Yeah. I think what Frax is ultimately, ultimately trying to do is capture the, uh, I like to call it the monetary stack with a LLC. So liquidity, lending, and currency. Liquidity as in Frax swap, lending as in Frax lend, currency as in Frax. And like once that's all out, then that's the foundation for Frax to, you know, use do what it does best and just, you know, kind of just take take a large market share of uh, just whether it's like loans or whether it's uh, trading volume um, just by offering like the best fees or lowest, you know, lending rates and this and that. Um, I wanted to actually go back to uh, the curve horse for a sec because um, earlier this week uh, we had um, another ham. Zero X hams, uh, <laughs> a tale of two hams here. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, I have a long thread about, um, he actually, um, disagrees with, uh, Frax's strategy in the curve horse right now. And he actually would like to see, um, Frax lend become more a priority. So I would like to get your thoughts on, uh, like what you, th what do you think of, like, what did you think of that thread? And, um, like, what is your responses to that? Yeah, I mean, look, like what I will say, like before I actually address the thread is that like, um, like Hames, wait, what am I again? He, what is his, his name again? You're Ham. He's Hams. Hams, Hams. The tale of two Hams. Yeah, she's, um, all right. Like Hams is more legit than I am, like at least in terms of like what we're putting out there on Twitter. Like he's doing like real analysis, um, like without commenting on like, how like accurate or good it is. Like I, I, I haven't checked, but like what he's putting out there is like real proposals and like that needs to be like, um, you know, addressed on its own terms. Um, like at a high level, like what I'll say is that like, I just disagree with like the overall analysis. Um, like number one, like I, I hear the, um, the thought that like the economics of bribing don't make sense in the current environment. And like <laughs> a lot of things don't make sense in the current environment. Right. But like, that doesn't mean like buying a house doesn't make sense in the current environment, but that doesn't mean it makes sense to go burn yours down right now. Right. Like we were building that for a reason. And, um, I don't understand the, um, I, I don't think that we should let like the current volatility and the current, like, problems in the real world affect the things that we're building in crypto. Um, 
that being said, like he's got some arguments on the cash flows of curve. And like, again, like it's a real proposal. Like he put a real proposal out there and like that needs to be addressed on its own terms. Um, but I, I disagree with the analysis on the curve wars. And I also disagree with the strategy of uh, like shifting to lending and specifically like real world lending. Um, and happy to continue on with that, but I don't know if we want to talk about the curve. Yeah, board. actually, I, I would like to continue on with the, the real world <laughs> lending. Um, like what, what do you, what do you see the problem is like focusing on it now? It's definitely become a big topic of discussion as, especially now people are like, where can we have our like sweet organic USDA hundred percent, uh, grass free, free yield from, and they, people think it's, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if yeah. you'll indulge me for a minute, let me just talk about the real world. Right. Yeah. We've got land war in Europe, right? We've got growing civil unrest in the USA. We've got a perception of runaway inflation in all Western economies. We've got like an attempted transformation of the Chinese economy from this like unsustainable hyper growth into whatever they're trying to do, right? <laughs> Let alone the waves of COVID disruption that are still happening in China in a way that like us in the West like can't comprehend. There's like food, fuel, fertilizer, like whatever shortages that existed before the war and have been exacerbated by it. And like, there's just a general sense that like everything's spiraling out of control. Now, let me like, given that context, like, let me ask you, like, do you think it's reasonable to go look out in the real world and like trust or ask a corporation or a billionaire to trust eight kids that are like hacking around in like the coolest protocol on earth, but with a billion dollars. Like, I think that, like that is not a like reflection of um, reality, right? Yeah, no, I mean, like, cause the point that I really want to make is that like, we, we want to conquer DeFi and can, that's where like Sam and the engineering talent should be and the business talent should be. And then like, what should be going on is that like, we should be forming fracks into like an operation that, um, you know, is like a real business that has like KPIs, that has deliverables, that has like, that exists outside of like. Yeah, but don't you think uh, real world assets and loans is, is part of, you know, Frax's kind of growing up and, well, and here's and the maturing. point that I really want to make, which I made to Dave at uh, lunch the other day, which is like, <laughs> they're like, you guys are changing the world and you're conquering DeFi. Like, the second that like traditional money is ready to like move into this space and take it from like this like internet thing into like the way that the economy works, like they're coming to fracks. Like where, where else are they going to go? You know, like I wouldn't worry about like institutional money being like coming to you. I think like the goal today should be to get ready for it and to like create the most compelling business and the most compelling argument and like the most compelling operation like it needs an operation like investors need to know that they can count on you to give them like accurate information every month and like that they need to know that like if sam gets into a car accident like this whole thing's not fucked I, i'm sorry i just want to keep on dressing this thing because you know real world assets in my mind is a you know a really great next step mm -hmm. to really making fracks truly mature and operationalize it and mm -hmm. have some real world use cases where institutional investors would be like, yes, that makes sense. You're mm -hmm. lending to, you know, party A from, you know, party B say, yes, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And I, I think that's why real world assets is a proper next move rather than just keep on playing this DeFi circle. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like a, the wrong idea to like want to put Frax into the real world. Like, of course, man, like I can talk to you about like many protocols that are like doing that today. And it, like just to keep this close to home, like Maple Finance is doing that and like they're doing amazing things. And like we should all be proud of them. like that. That really is the Lord's work today. Right. Yeah. But um, I, I just don't understand why like i think that like when, when i was first like really like digging into frax like something that i kept hearing sam say over and over and over again that like i didn't couldn't really wrap my head around was like all of frax's liquidity is on chain right like everything that frax does is on chain right yeah. like and like that's what's special about what we're doing is that it's crypto native and i think that like I think that like trying to bridge the gap directly from Frax to meat space, like, and I use that in a derogatory way is like chasing after money without recognizing like who you are, if that makes sense. So yeah, you think it it's dilutive. Okay. No, I, I think, it, I think it's dilutive of your time and your energy. Um, you that's, being, Frax, yeah, that's exactly right? how Sam thinks. Like you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. And I think like, look, focus on like, look, correct me if I'm wrong, but how many uh, people are like, can you call like Frax people? It was like eight, 10, something like that. I'm, the core team is eight people. All day. Okay, great. Yeah. So like those eight people need to just keep doing on-chain Frax stuff, like blow it out, like do things that I can't even think of yet because like, I'm just like reading what you guys are putting out and writing it on Twitter, right? Like keep doing that. Like what the way to like get to real world liquidity is to, to build an organization in which like someone like me who knows how to talk to bankers and like who can handle this stuff while builders are building can manage that. And like, quite frankly, like you're not ready for that yet. Like you're not ready to have like Wall Street guys and Goldman types like in there, like wheeling and dealing, like you're too busy shipping, right? Like what I would propose is like the right way to address this bear market is to like keep building, but like focus on like corporatizing and professionalizing and like building yourself into the financial institution that we all know you're going to be in X years. Just like get ahead of it. I guess what processes do you see like Frax needs to make in order to get to that level? Um, and so, like it's important to still be on chain and stuff, but like, yeah, but like what processes do you see like should come about. All right. So like just drawing on my experiences from the corporate world and like, I'm not saying that this is what Frax needs to do, but I'm saying like it's a direction is um, so like the, the business process was defined by like three independent, but like Bible like documents, right? There's the one year plan, the three year plan. And then um, we had a stupid acronym, but well, it's called the monthly report. Right. So the one year plan is like, like the, just everything you think about like budgeting, right? It's like real, like these are the dollars that we um, need, like based on the plans that we have, these are like the results that we expect to get based on these results we expect to get. This is the revenue, like, and they're like detailed projections in which like, yeah, we'd like reformat them, but like that would be in quarterly reports to, um, 
to Wall Street, right? Like this is the plan for the year. Um, then six months later, we would do the three-year plan, which is like much less about like budgetary numbers, but much more about like strategic vision, right? Like these are, this is the, pro um, you know, it was consumer product goods, right? So like these are the products in the pipeline. These are, this is how we're going to address this market. Like we see this competitor taking, like doing this, you know, like much more three-year, like high level stuff out. Um, and like, those would be like, the whole team would be all hands on decks creating those documents. It would be done like six months off cycle so that like there was this kind of like constant attention on like this more like far out thinking like one to three years. Right. And like, I think that's like an appropriate time frame for Frax. Like it probably was too short of a time frame for a consumer product goods company. Right. But like, I do think that like you need to dedicate some time and effort into thinking that far out. Right. Yeah. And then the third document is like the monthly reports, right? And that like as the um, director of FPNA, right? Like that was my baby. And like it, that was, it started with like just a real financial breakdown. Every brand or every business unit or whatever had their like three to five uh, key performance indicators or KPIs as the trad five people say, um, in which like, people were expected to be able to like quote the target and like today's value off the top of their head. Like that's how like religiously the company was oriented towards um, those KPIs. And then, so that would be like the first section. And then the second section would be um, like, you know, the, this is like the program. It, it would be more like, uh, you know, quantitative, qualitative, like that kind of split. And that would happen on like a monthly cycle, which I don't know if that's appropriate for, um, for Frax, we can talk about that, but um, we do it on a monthly cycle. Those would be internal documents. They wouldn't be seen by like anyone, but internally to the company. And, but like, that is how um, everybody on the team, whether it was like the um, data entry guy to the CEO would like stay aligned to not only like what we're trying to do, but like how we're doing it. Um, and then it was like the dance between these three documents that define the business process. And like, that's where decisions were made. That's how, um, bonuses were decided. Like that's everything. So, uh, if I were to make a proposal, it would basically be like, let's, let's start with setting KPIs. Let's like, what are the like three to five things that like every person who cares about fracks should know what the target is and like where basically where we're at right and yeah. every ama every interview everything that sam does should be talking about like should be funneling back to these kpis have you thought about like what those metrics should be <laughs> no um not at all i mean like we could spitball right now but yeah. i mean it's 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 mm -hmm. not it's not crazy stuff right it's like percent locked as vefxs it's um like amount of um fracks and circulation you know it's simple stuff. yeah yeah uh, on this line of kpis like how would you uh classify fracks's profitability and and you know through that same uh, uh train of thought the cash management of the protocol and the treasury itself well sorry i guess i don't understand the question i mean like i wouldn't do anything fancy like profitability is profitability but how would you classify profitability knowing how Frax's whole kind of AMO operation works and where the money comes in and what they spend on that? 
Yeah. I mean, like, it's like, you know, this is part of like what formalizing um, a protocol into a business looks like, right? It's about like defining like each AMO saying like, um, these are like, this is the cost of doing this cogs, right? Like this is mm-hmm. um, the like amount of capital that we deploy into it. Um, this is the amount of like liabilities we have against it. This is the profit it makes. Like um, it's, you know, it's, it's work. I'm not saying it's not work, but it's, it's just about like first defining that, like, like bottom down and then being able to report it and speak about it, uh, top down, I guess. I don't know. I, I start to get confused when I go back to TradFi speak. That <laughs> <laughs> no, makes sense. Been on chain for too long. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. on chain or on Twitter. I don't know. Chain. What's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually I want to like roll it back to um what you're talking about um bridging frax to the real world and frax should remain on chain and I agree frax should remain this permissionless sovereign protocol um in which the meat space world goes to for liquidity it shouldn't be the other way around and so in the future like when that happens you know cuz it inevitably will like how would you set up like the flow and process of that? Like for me personally, I imagine these uh, bridge five entities being in the middle, you know, with one foot on chain, like that have access to, you know, a line of credit from Fraxland and another in the real world. And they have like the proper KYC and whatnot and the proper relationships with bankers and can just deal with all the friction and BS of the real world. Like how would you yeah. imagine it? Yeah, I don't really see that as the future. I see that as the present, right? The present. And like, okay. I think um, there's like some people that do it in like kind of weird ways um, or like maybe shady ways. Like, for example, any institution that like just said like deposit your money and we'll farm Terra for you for 20%, like, and it's a stable coin. And like, we've all heard the stories of like how like grandmothers got screwed on Terra because of that. Um, but then there's like companies and protocols that are doing like really, really incredible things. And like shout out to Maple Finance is one, but like another, like a special shout out to Goldfinch, who basically um, like provides a channel for liquidity from crypto into like lending into the emer- into emerging markets. And like, I mean, like that's incredible. Like they're taking our like DGEN money and like allowing like like Jose to build a cell phone shop and like provide for his family. And I think like that's, that's today, you know, I think the long-term vision of the future is that like that there's the real world economy and there's well today, right. There's the real economy and then there's the financial economy. Um, and we can talk about like how the, the divergence between the two is like the cause of a lot of the social unrest we see and a lot of like the crazy stuff going on. But like the future I see is there's going to be the real economy, the financial economy, and then the digital economy, right? And like those are all three independent things that are like very, very dependent on each other and have heavy links, whether it's through like individual institutions or like agreements or um, like billionaires play a role in this and like bridging the two. Um, And so like I think that the future is just like messy and complicated, but um like if you're asking me like the the role that Frax has in that, I think like Frax conquers DeFi. Like I and I I don't even necessarily think that means that Frax conquers the digital world. I think that Frax conquers DeFi, and like any financial transaction that happens in the digital world of like will touch Frax whether or not they know it. 
And in the same way that like TCP IP has dominated internet um, messaging schemas, but like, <laughs> like seven people on this podcast understood that acronym and it doesn't matter, you know, like that's the world I see in Frax and like it's in front of us today because it's so young, but like, I, I just never worry about grandma, like having Frax. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm just letting this sink in right now. <laughs> Let's sink in. <laughs> huh. Okay. Okay. So um, now that you see Frax as such an integral part, but obviously Frax can't be the whole ecosystem. Who do you see as our, you know, uh, have symbiosis, a symbiotic relationship with Frax? as you know, whether a partnership and alliance or, or what have you. Yeah. I mean, I like, I have some like thought, like <laughs> if you guys are looking for a business development person, I have some thoughts on like actual deals <laughs> that can be made, but like starting at least from a high level. Um, I think that like, I think I, well, like taking an analogies from the real world, like Fra Frax is the central bank, right? Let's call it the fed, right? The U S central bank. And like the U S central bank, like controls the flow of money, but it doesn't like build these like crazy financial derivatives on top of it. Right. Like, and, um, fine. I'll, I'll spoil alert. I'm going to just like say DOPX is like what, who you guys should be partnering with. But, um, like for, um, in the real world, we have firms like, um, like Citadel or like, yeah, I'm not going to listen. There's a lot of companies that like take the money that flows out of the central bank and like transforms it into ways that are like useful for the rest of the um, financial economy. And like some of that stuff is like not that great and like really just like exists to make like hedge fund managers more money. But like we have to remember, like the point of finance is like to enable business to happen and like. That's important because like our society is so complex and like so crazy that like businesses have to like exist to, in order to take care of the logistics for us. And so like finance is important, like the derivatives and like options and um, hedging and like risk management and like all of this stuff is important. And um, like FRAC should be like considering itself like the, the font from which money flows and then looking for um, like interesting people that are going to like do stuff with that money. <laughs> so again, DOPX is like just to like take everything I had from like a high esoteric level and into like something concrete, like they're doing options like you can probably do some like interesting stuff on like straight up options, but like the real interesting thing today is in the interest rate options that they're doing. Um, and I can kind of talk through like some ideas I've had around that, but um, the point is that like Frax should be like working with DOPX to not only create like new interesting products that Frax will use, but also like seeding those products with a ton of liquidity and like making them used by the whole setting the standards that the whole industry uses. Can you, can you actually go into those interest rate options? I want to like hear, hear it further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, well, I have a thread about this, so. Um, <laughs> perfect, perfect. And then yeah. we'll drop it in the show notes. But like essentially like the, the concept is 
um, so curve pools have like a variable yield, right? And the variable yield is like whatever the LP fee is, which actually I think is not part of this equation, but like specifically it's in the CRV emissions. And like it's variable because you don't know how many like votes that um, gauge is going to get in Vodium. You don't know how many bribes it's going to get on pitch money. You don't know like how much money, sorry, how much like money is already going to be in the LP pool. And so like it's, it's variable. <laughs> and um, like what, 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 what DOPEX interest rate options do is allow you to like place bets on um where that variable yield is going to go, right? So like, let's say you, it's at 2% and you think it's going to go up. Um, you can buy a call option and like make money on that. And I don't, do we, do you want to discuss like what options are? Um, I guess very briefly, if for people that don't know at home. Okay. Yeah. Very briefly, like um, an option is a deal that you make with someone in which um like you set the terms today for the deal in the future and at, at the future you, um, you look at the deal and if it's still profitable, you get to like continue with the deal. And if it's not profitable, what you've done is bought the option to like walk away. Right. So using like that concept, right. Um, you, the variable yield on a curve pool, let's say it's a 2% today and you think it's going to go up to 3%. So you can buy an option uh, for like 2.5%. And if it goes above that, then like you're going to be in the profit. But in the case where it actually like drops from 2% down to 1%, like because it's an option, you have the right to like say, I don't want to do the deal. Like I'm out. Uh, so we'll stop there. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, great explanation. Yeah. So like the point is that like, as Frax becomes like more and more dependent on curve pools and like specifically like as the Frax develops a business process and a like business planning cycle that like accounts for the yield in the curve pools and like budgets based on that, like the, the problems become like what happens if your budgets are not correct, right? So like, let's say again, Frax is counting on a curve pool to be 2%. And then like for whatever reason, let's say like Tetranode colluded with um, like made friends with Mochi Finance and then they like went and talked to <laughs> some weird uh, alternative universe. <laughs> for like four weeks, they decided like we're going to make the um, like pool C like the dopest, biggest pool ever, like for whatever reason. Right. Like in that case, like the, the yield on the Frax base pool might drop from like 2% to 0.5%. And the problem becomes like you were counting on that like incoming yield as part of like the next step in the business process. And then your choice becomes like, do I just like start falling behind my plan or do I like go to a different part of my budget and rob someone else and like fill this and then I'm just falling behind somewhere else. So what uh, like I would be proposing and like, this is too early, like everything needs to be developed, but like these protocols should be developing it together is um, like Frax to like build a, um, an option strategy that basically locks in whatever yield that they like need that they're planning on each week 
there's some upside, like they'll capture it, but like they'll be able to lock it in each week and like be in situations where there's this like Tetranode, uh, Doquan, Mochi, like freak show, like they'll still like the budget will be filled. It'll just be paid by the option. Yeah. I know that Frax, there's an AMO that should be out pretty soon with a Theta Nuts, which is another options protocol um, that's on multiple chains that could fill this void immediately once it comes out. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to like, um, uh, you know, like yeah. Dopex is doing some like incredible things and like we can talk about them on their podcast um, and yeah. like, why I'm excited about them. But um, like the concept's the same and I'm sure they didn't, like, I'm sorry, just not familiar. And mm -hmm. I'm sure they're doing like incredible things too. And like, let's build the strategy. Like that's the yeah. point. And like, yeah. I think Sam's ethos is like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, if any protocol wants to partner, like let's partner. And so like, maybe the, the real answer to this is like, well, do, do uh, option strategies on both. Yeah, no, do it, do it wherever there are option strategies, whether it's Theta Nuts, Dopex, somewhere else, like bring, bring them everywhere. Um, you're talking about, um, another thing I want to go to, you're talking about curve emissions um, and that like playing into like Frax's, uh, you mm -hmm. know, future budgeting and this and that. Um, a big like question and, you know, kind of like argument and just going around is like, are curve emissions sustainable? And I kind of view like curve emissions as like, the bootstrap to like curve fees and the difference between like curve and Uniswap is like curve LPing is very passive, but Uniswap LP is much more active. So do you see like, do you see a few, do you see curve emissions as sustainable? And do you see a future where like the fees can like actually make up for like the drop in emissions? Or do you think like, this is like a strategy for now, but like in the future, Frax should uh, prepare to like shift its strategy. Yeah, um, honestly, like due to the the recent like conversations, um, I like started to actually look at what curve fees are, and like, oh my god, like they're not that impressive, at least on a daily basis. Yeah, like, on a, if you annualize it, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's something like seventy million dollars a year on like a four hundred million dollar valuation is like, I mean, in the real world, like that, like would be a no brainer buy. Um, so. I do think that, um, I think it's like a good question. It's, it's a thought, like, it is definitely a question worth asking. Um, I think like taking a step back, like I, and one of the reasons I'm like all in on crypto is because I believe in the like kind of Pareto principle of like value accrual, which is not a human sentence, um, which like, so the Pareto principle is like essentially like um, 80% of like the activity or the value is, um, in like 20% of the, um, like people or like whatever. Right. And so like what I think it's the way finance works is that like liquidity or value or like whatever you want to call it, like it pools in like specific places, like because those places have, um, characteristics that or whatever, but like it pools there because other capital pools there. And like, what's important is like the deepest of deep, 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 deep liquidity. And like, you know, zoom, zooming to back to World War II, right? Like the Europe is shattered. Like there's nobody on earth that has like any military except for the US who like could in the blink of an eye, like just become world dictators. And like, why didn't that happen? 
is like because we took the important thing, which was like what Great Britain had, which was the reserve currency of the world, the pound sterling, right? Like we took it first in dollars and then like blah, 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 blah. And like what it's in today is in U.S. treasuries. And like that is like the deepest, like most liquid market in the world. And like, quite frankly, it's the only market in the world that like that any transaction of real size like will happen on because like for a lot of reasons, but it's like the only thing that has like the trust and the liquidity to like to allow people to have confidence to just like hold it for like billions and billions and billions of dollars. And so um, I think that like when I see curve and when I see the flywheel, um, like what I see is like liquidity, like the deepest of deep liquidity to, that already exists today, like locking itself further and further in and like, like characterize it however you want. Right. But like one of the effects of this is that like nobody is more bought into the curve ecosystem than Frax, a stablecoin issuer. Right. Like, and so, you know, like moving forward, like why I'm bullish on curve is like, yeah, the math and the numbers and like, we can talk about that, but like, it's the flywheel of curve convex and now the stable, like the central bank stable coin issuer deploying Frax base pool as like part of its core strategy in which like it's dedicating like, like obscene amounts of money to future bribe. Like, you know, I, I, I believe in Lindy and I believe in like liquidity and depth for liquidity and depth sake. And like, I think that's what we're trying to build. And like, I think it's easy to be like, well, it's not going to work. But like, get out of crypto. It's it's easy to be a hater for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Liquidity bequests liquidity, um, yeah. and like once it like you know is there and like piles up over a period of a long period of time, which is why I think like curve and Frax's VE locks are so long. Then it kind of just stays there, right? Yeah. Oh, By the way, oh, like oh, ETH, right? ETH. Like that, everything yeah. will settle to ETH. And yeah. like, I believe in a multi-chain future. It's just like. It's L2s, right? It's Arbitrum. Like Solana will be around. It'll just settle to ETH, right? Like ETH is like the deepest, most trusted, like most functional like liquidity. And like it'll be 80% and then there'll be like some corporate chains like a Solana. Like, I don't know. I'm sure like Russia will have their own like forced Russia chain. And oh, sorry, that's probably like a China comment more than Russia. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, point is like that, like liquidity like value like wealth is gravity and like wealth attracts more wealth and like that's how you explain billionaires that's how you explain like u.s treasury economy like market that's how you explain that's how you explain the way the world works mm -hmm. right and uh, i i want to go back to the whole uh, curve emissions because right now the curve amo is the most profitable amo for fracks and specifically, that's kind of a misnomer because it's really the convex AMO, right? Yeah. Because, and now we know Curve is going to keep on inflating forever for like 300 years, decreasing 15% every year on in August. Now, for convex, on the other hand, though, like they are on a much, much shorter emission schedule. And, you know, from, from my calculations, like they're pretty much going to be all bought out or rather all fully emitted around like four and a half years. But yeah. after year three, it's like meaningfully depleted. Like yeah. ninety-five percent of it is gone or so. Yeah. So, with with that kind of coming up, um, like sooner than later, 
like Frax is legitimately going to lose out on 50% of its uh, top line revenue because Convex accounts for 50% of its APR that's kind of advertised. Uh, So it's like, that worries me. That's what keeps me up, right? And once that is gone, you said liquidity begets liquidity. Well, then I guess almost the reverse is true is where like as liquidity fled, you know, like, so would more liquidity fly away? And that's what keeps me up at night. It's like, is this Frax flywheel sustainable? Um, this bear market is a great test of it to see if, you know, how many people still stick around, right? Yeah. I remember at, at the peak, the Frax 3CRV pool was like 2.8 billion, earning like 7% APR. <laughs> like that is like crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. If you're of any size and you want to earn 7%, that's the pool you go to, period, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, um, that's like a super fair point. And like you laid it out in a way that's like definitely sobering. Um, what I would say to that is uh, one of our mutual friends said something extremely poignant to me. Uh, and uh, I'll repeat it to you, which is like Convex is so stupid. They spent all of their CVX on curve. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, they, they can't. What are they going to like? How are they going to acquire FXS? And how are they going to acquire the next token? And so, like, I love Convex, like, C2PT, please, like, I'm sorry, you're not stupid, but um, (laughs) (laughs) Convex is, like, has pigeonholed themselves to be, like, curve maxi, and, like, it is what it is, and Mm -hmm. I think that um, that creates opportunity for, like, somebody else to fill in that 50%, like, hole that you're looking at, like, two years down the line, like, are you kidding me, like, God damn, we're going to be 60 by then. <laughs> 60 in crypto years. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. It's just like... I... Yeah, so um, uh, back a bit. Let's talk about the, the Frax base pool because, you know, it's, it's in discussion right now and it's looking promising that it will pass. And I feel like, like if and when it passes, like it's going to be a huge deal. And just because, you know, you look at USDC, which is the official on-off ramp uh, into DeFi right now from the real world, and Frax, which is this completely on-chain uh, ethos stablecoin, and like just having that dichotomy in a base base mentor pool where anybody can like go to and get liquidity from, I think is super powerful. So, what are your thoughts on the Frax base pool? Yeah, well, okay. Can I start with just like the thing that's most frustrating to me about the conversation about it? Yeah, like if you guys have trusted in like the Frax team and like Sam up to this point, like, do you really think he doesn't understand how like curve governance, like proposals work? Like, I just feel like so many people are like talking about like, like Sam, we saw the like forum post, but like you have to put it to vote. And it's like, no man, I'm like, he's talking to him. <laughs> yeah, like, no. Play the pool. Like there's I'm tech. Pretty sure he talks to them every day. I'm like, sure. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, so like, can, can we all just like, take a step back like let's evaluate the proposal on its face and like trust that the guys who like need to make it happen are making it happen yeah um so soapbox down but right um i think look like i think it's a huge deal and i think that um like from a like holistic sense like what we should like understand it is um frax fusing itself to like the convex curve flywheel Um, And I think that like the practical effects are like it, if you're any token, it like the, the, um, the decision to, to pair against like 
what, what you're going to pair your liquidity against, it's going to be like, you can go ETH, which makes a lot of sense and will still make a lot of sense. You can go like some other random thing that we're not even going to talk about, or you can go stablecoin, right? And the choice for stablecoin is like anything else that has its own like risks and security properties and like whatever, right? Or Frax, which will pay bribes for you on Vodium <laughs> to incentivize other people <laughs> to put liquidity into your pool. Like I, like full stop. It's no brainer. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think like we can, we can work out the math. Like the math is important and like we need to understand like where the cash flows are coming from and like what the numbers will look like and whatever. But like at a conceptual level, like this is about like, and, and this is what I'm talking about, like about Frax taking over DeFi, right? Like this is a DeFi move where like what we're saying is that like if you want to create liquidity on DeFi, you can have what the, the TradFi choice, which is USDC, you can have whatever like DGen choice, or you can have like the DeFi gold standard and like, we'll pay your bribes for you. And like, not only will you pay your bribes for you, like you're going to have direct integrations into like all of this other, like amazing suite of products that we have. The DeFi gold standard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's going to no, be branded I, I, in my head. I, I remember Dave said this like, like so succinctly uh, on the last part of like, you know, Every stable coin kind of has like their little niche of the stable coin market, yeah, you yeah. know, where, where Tether is like the centralized exchanges de facto pair. Then we have USDC as the on off ramp. And then we have like Frax to really own the on chain DeFi world, right? And, but we only talk about franchise Frax, but you know, there's also this other three letter stable coin that is also on this decentralized market. You know, um, I would love to get your your thoughts on on some some die here. Yeah, I mean, look, like if you want to talk about a stablecoin that should be thinking about real world lending, it's die, right? Like ten billion is like a different scale than Frax is, and like dies at a different point in their like um, life cycle, you know, and like all of crypto, like the whole point of everything that we're doing is that we start like so young and energetic and like we move fast and we break things. And like, like the Dow, like that was crazy. That was so crazy. <laughs> and um, like then over time, like things ossify and things like become more and more stuck in their permanent ways. And the, the idea is that like we are creating something for like, you know, the our infinity generations from now. Right. And so I think Dai is like further along in that process than than Frax is. And I think um, they've done a lot of great things and they should be respected for it. And, um, you know, like they're, they're not playing the they don't care about the curve wars. Like, I'll just say that. And I don't think that that's necessarily a losing strategy for them. Like they have the PSM. They could turn that yeah. into like a real AMM and then just like take half of their die and half of their collateral and put it in. And then like, they're going to be just as liquid as anything in curve. Yeah, no, I agree. They're, they're playing a, a different game. And did you, were, were you listening to Sam's um, uh, interview yesterday? with DCF Oh yeah. That, that's where that came from. I caught like, I, I had to jump in and out. So I caught like <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes of it, but yeah. yeah, no, no, he explained, it's just, I think it's just different strategies um, mm -hmm. to just like go about functioning and, yeah. and operating and like, again, in DeFi. Yeah. Like the beauty of being like 
in this space that like we all believe is going to conquer the world and like grow so much from here is that like we can all think so positive sun and like die can do its thing and like maybe become a trillion dollar stablecoin and frax can do a thing and maybe become a trillion dollar stablecoin and like that's two trillion like that's like not enough to run an economy in the real world like we're, we're talking so much more than that so like let's embrace it like Again, I believe in the curve wars, and but I think that's like DeFi native. I think that's DGen shit. Like, let's all be real. Like, Tetranode, one guy who like, I, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe him. Look at him on Twitter. But one guy is like making decisions around uh, PUSD. And like, he's talking a bigger game than like, he's actually playing a role in it. But like, maybe that's not where Dai wants to be. And like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah okay and then um I, this is the last question for me i we have here who do you think are you know some frenemies of fraxis because now that we're in this all all stable coins have a space and they all could all live harmoniously together but are there any other uh, DAOs or player in the space where you could see as you know could be friends to frax but could also turn on the dime to be frenemies <laughs> Okay. Uh, I don't like to, so, okay. For, I'm not going to do like any specific protocols, yeah, yeah. Um, but like categories, right. I think yeah. like other stable coins die included. It um, like should be considered frenemies, if you will. Like, and I think that it's not from a standpoint of like, there is a finite amount of liquidity. And if like die is taking, I said I wouldn't name names. <laughs> if Dai is taking some, <laughs> that means that Frax can't take some. Um, like, that's not what I believe at all. But, like, what I do believe is um, that stablecoins that do things that are incredibly irresponsible and cost people lots of money might have implications on, like, what responsible protocols like Frax are doing. And so um, I think that, like, some like okay whatever I'll, for stable coins i'll name names for like four pool is like a very good example of a dodge bullet because um like not only like was that our capital at stake had um that gone through um and we can talk about how possible it was if it had gone through but um like the closer that frax integrated with terra like the more frax's reputation integrated with terra right and like I know I'm sitting here saying like, we need to like worry about, um, we need to like worry just about like on chain and within DeFi, but like the reality is like, we do need to think ahead to that future in which like we conquer the world. And like, we're still at a point where we can get snuffed out and we're still at a point where like bad reputation can like snuff like a terrible idea. And so like reputation management is important. And so like, um, that's what I, what I worry about in terms of, uh, stable coins, um, in terms, uh, like another thing I would like put into the frenemies category is regulators. Like anyone that thinks that like regulation is bad, like is not worth listening to. Like we all need regulation. We should all embrace and welcome regulation. We just need to be part of the conversation, right? Like the, a world in which like JP Morgan or like or um or cpg company or like grandma turns to DeFi does not exist without regulation 
right? Like we want it to come. We just need to be like helping write it because like otherwise it's going to be like old cranky people like Elizabeth Warren who like doesn't even understand what we're doing. And like they're just going to like try to ban it. And like the, we, the result of that is that it's all going to move to like Singapore and continue to happen. And like, let's be real. The three of us are going to move to Singapore, too. And like, like it'll still happen, you know. Yeah. And so um, I think uh, what my old bosses used to say that like in every negotiation, if like you need to have a seat at the table, if you don't have a seat at the table, that means you're on the menu. And, um, you know, like one of the, the real like problems with Frax not being like a real like company and a corporation yet is that like Sam's not in Washington right now. Like he should, like, I love that he's like sitting here talking to us about like, like vision and timeline and blah, blah, blah. But like, he needs to be in Congress. He needs to be like in hearings, like the, the stablecoin regulations coming because of what just happened with Luna and like. We, we need to be at the table, you know? So, yeah. So let's say if like Sam or someone else would go to Washington right now and talk to regulators and congressmen, like what is, what is like the best way to go about that? What's the proper tone to talk to regulators? Like how do you get regulators to listen and how do you speak their language? Yeah. I mean, like at the end of like, <laughs> so the uh, beautiful thing about America is that like we professionalize everything. Right. And like, <laughs> what, this is just called lobbying. Right. It's like not like a novel thing. Like there's there's firms that do it. There's a way to do it. Like we just got to get serious about it. And like I, um, you know, yeah, I was um, the cash manager during in 2017 when um, the Trump tax cuts uh, came and for anyone that wasn't paying attention that had like such major implications on everyone's um, but especially businesses taxes and so um i didn't do any lobbying but like i watched how it's done and i like fed them the numbers and at the very least like that's what sam needs to be doing um and like it's not like you guys can't afford it <laughs> So, um, you know, like I, I don't, I don't have answers, but like, I know that this is what we need to be focusing on. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's up to like Frax to step up. No one's going to call you up. Yeah. Goes back to numbers, go back to metrics. <laughs> so <laughs> well, you gotta, like, you gotta sell the metrics. Right. Yeah. And like, I, uh, I think that like something that crypto really doesn't understand, like with, with the always be shipping mentality, which like I really believe in and like really respect and admire is like a real lack of acknowledgement that like narrative matters and like we're humans, the way we understand things is in stories and like we need to like put energy into helping people understand like what's happening here, you know, like, like the curve wars, right? It's not like, like some like smart looking kid named Sam, like bribing some like weirdo, like bunny named Tetranode over like, you know, like that's not what's happening. And like, we need to help people understand that. Yeah. Um, and um, part of that is helping Congress understand that. Yeah. We need better storytellers. And not better, but like more st storytellers. We need, to, we need to put energy into storytelling. Yeah. Like we put energy into shipping, put energy into storytelling. So always be shipping, always be, always be storytelling. 
Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's kind of the um, the ethos of Fraximillus, right? We are going to be that voice or that avenue for Frax to kind of speak out and have these kind of conversations and push these kinds of efforts, you know, so to kind of drive Frax forward um, into the Frax that we all envisioned in, in our mind for the years to come. Um, but, I mean, I wanted to ask you more about, like, you said multi-chain future earlier. And Frax is obviously, you know, only on ETH. And oh, no, it's not. Frax... It's, on, it's on like 14 different Oh, right. It, it, it's on a bunch of different chains. But the, the, the main yeah, product actually, of like Frax If you turn to a thread, I can tell you where the liquidity is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Frax is literally across every freaking chain, the token itself. Um, but I mean, like more on each of their products, like the Frax mm-hmm. Lend, Frax Swap, mm-hmm. Frax Stake, like all of it is really, really... On, on ETH, like how do you see that fit in a multi-chain future? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think that like there's anything like that complicated about it. I think you just follow TVL and you follow like where the market needs, you know, like I think like the, we're all watching like Arbitrum become um, like something special and like become like a place where programmable money like can actually be explored because like we can't on ETH, no one can afford the gas. Uh, so I think like as that ecosystem develops, um, like, you know, Frax should have like a dedicated Arbitrum person to like understand like where, like who are the biggest protocols, what are their needs? Like how can like Frax not only provide liquidity into like their solutions, but help like build and like decide those solutions and like make sure that they're Frax centric and like Frax aligned. Um, and so I think you be, yeah, follow TVL and like follow yeah. both like where you can inject your frax and follow also where DeFi is deciding to like deposit, um, its value. Yeah, I could, I mean, Arbitrum right now would be, you know, the best affordable solution, but something I see in the future, you know, really taking off is, um, just ZK rollups and especially with Starknet, I could see frax having, I know frax, like when Starknet like launches fully, like it's going to be on that chain and I could see Starknet becoming the layer for like Frax interactions. Um, but I'm curious, like what you think of um, ZK rollups in general and like, should Frax be thinking that ahead or should Frax just be like focusing on, oh, we should just go to Arbitrum right now. Okay, man, like here, I'm, I'm going to do like a little one minute thing. You guys decide if it's too off topic or not, but um, <laughs> so like, how do I put this? All right. All right. So I'm going to answer your question with a story that's way too long. Right. But um, bear with me. Right. So like Bitcoin. Right. Like what is it? Right. Like how do you tell your parents about it? Like I don't know. Store of value. Like all this shit. Right. But like really what it is, is it's a computer program where you can like it has account balances and you can do positives and minuses. Right. And like the real innovation is that we figured out how to progress that computer program by passing it around to like untrusted, like totally random computers and like all have trust that 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 program um, is is a sound. Right. So what is Ethereum? Like Ethereum is like the recognition that that computer program like doesn't just have to be like account plus minus. Right. Like. It can be anything, like literally anything that your MacBook can do. Like that's what Turing complete means. 
And like, yeah, we're in this like stage now where like it's one block every 10 seconds and then gas fees like $200 to buy like a sticker and like, you know, it's so stupid, (laughs) but like the vision is that like it can run your MacBook like by like passing it around to these random computers. And so like the next phase of that is like, how do you um, like keep the, the properties that are cool about passing it around? while like just like juicing the execution layer right and so like we have arbitrum today and like that's it is what it is but like zk rollups man like zk rollups are the world computer and like the the thing that has me juiced about ethereum is um it was a podcast on bankless in like november where the starknet guys came on Mm, and it was like a one offhand (laughs) and i was just like my jaw's still on the floor but he made this comment where he's like we have a guy today who's running protein folding calculations on chain on Starknet. And I was just like, and like, I, you know, for anyone who's just like, isn't a computer science nerd, like protein folding calculations, like the most like complicated, difficult thing that like scientists still haven't figured out. And once we figure it out, we'll like be able to solve cancer and blah, 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 all that stuff. But like on chain, like, they're doing it on chain. Like that's the world computer. And so like when I look at like this world that's like crashing down around us and like there's like no coordination and like we're like looking for solutions and uh, you know, like I see Ethereum and like the solutions that we're building on top of it as like that's where generalized AI comes from. That's where universal basic income comes from. That's where like coordination past nation states comes from. And so like when I, to to answer your one question in which I just went on a giant tangent about like what I think about ZK rollups are is like, it is like a gargantuan leak forward in terms of the tech that like only makes me more like passionate about like the future that like Ethereum could be. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's, let's cut that up, yeah. put it in a package, wrap it, bow it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I concur. Like I, I share the same sentiment, but like to like hear it in those words, like yeah. put it perfectly. No, yeah, man. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Cool. Yeah. Cool. These give me some chills. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, so, so normally uh, the way we kind of wrap up all these podcasts is we do a, a series of lightning questions. So I, I'm going to start with the first one. And what was your first virgin crypto experience? When did you first touch the chain? Oh man. So I had a, like, before I even believed in any of this stuff, I had a friend who bought me like an NFT for my birthday. I think he paid like 300 bucks, 250 on gas. And then by the time he got it to me, it was like worth a hundred bucks. And like, honestly, I still don't get NFTs. (laughs) Um, Yes. So uh, next question, what is your most regrettable purchase? Uh, okay. Like, I, as you can tell, I hate like dropping names, but well, I will say that like Klima DAO was my most regrettable purchase. And like, man, I really believed in the vision and I still do. And, um, I, the lesson I learned from that is that like, um, being too early is just as, um, just as wrong as being too late mm-hmm. or being wrong. And, uh, also I learned that, uh, <laughs> People don't really understand ohm forks and uh i'm a believer in what ohm is doing but that uh was a not a good narrative shift <laughs> all right uh aside from frags any other projects you're excited about 
Oh man, so like so 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 many. Um, but if I like had to pick one to shout out, um, I'll mm -hmm. say Umami Finance on Arbitrum. Uh, like they do some like really really cool and dynamic and interesting and complex. Um, uh, what do they call it? Delta neutral strategies, where it's like basically farming um, USDC for, uh, without exposure to like even ETH. Like so, you don't have to worry about your investment. Um, very, very cool. Like go, uh, talk to crypto condom on Twitter. He's a big, uh, big fan or their discord's amazing. But the real reason I'm a believer is they are setting up a LLC, like in the real world to like take in like business investment, business, uh, investment and like deploy it into DeFi. And so, um, like, again, I think that's doing the Lord's work. I think like they have like a really compelling story. Like I've seen that like they're professional people that are working on professional documents and like they're at a stage where they're ready to talk to TradFi. And so um, shout out to Umami and uh, Frax should start talking to Umami. Yes, I concur. Um, so what do you like to do when you're away from the screen? What do you like to do when you're off chain? Uh, I, I run a lot. Um, I run a 10K every day. And oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, run 10 K every day. And, um, like I travel like a lot. <laughs> so can you leak some alpha about Frax? Yeah. All right. So I am like, if you've listened this far on the conversation, this isn't really alpha cause we've already discussed it, but like Frax BP is huge. Like so enormous and like changing to like how we're going to understand crypto and how, DAOs are going to understand liquidity um and like you know it the proposal was put out like two weeks ago um and people don't understand like just how transformative this will be and like how it takes everything that's awesome about the curve and convex flywheel and like supercharges it i mean this is like turbocharging the um the ferrari right and so um i think like everyone like needs to learn about frax base pool like it's in like governance right now. So like everyone needs to learn about it and evangelize it and like convince whales to vote for it. And, um, you know, Frax is doing, I'm sorry, Frax, Sam is like doing the right thing. He's talking to the right people. He's like doing what needs to be done in the back channels. But um, all I have to say is like get hyped and like talk about it. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Pam, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this has been an awesome conversation. I've learned a lot. And, uh, you know, I cannot wait to see what you do in the future. I cannot wait for your future threads. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more of you uh, in the months and years to come. No, no. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I just uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. You know, like, I feel like I'm uh, like we're talking about like J Chase J.P. Morgan, um, like while J.P. Morgan's like in high school. You know, this is incredible. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just excited to be along for the journey and, and uh, excited to see what you guys do next. Yeah, man. I, we honestly can't wait to have you back on and do a whole recap of what has happened. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I'm looking forward to, to, to ham number two. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah ham it up. Ham it up. Yes. Cool. All, right. All right. All right. See you guys. Have a good one. Wow, that was a really fun one. Thanks, Ham, for coming on. Yeah, need, need to take a deep breath there. But yeah, yeah. 
you know, episode number two, we, we have the uh, flywheel going on the flywheel podcast. So we're going to keep bringing these every Thursday. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Twitter and our telegram channel at flywheel pod. And we're just going to keep this going.